Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Gary Ellard here at Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. Many people feel that Jesus' words at the end of the book of Matthew are a call for them to go out and witness and feel bad when they don't. Even worse, some use these verses to guilt believers into evangelizing. But in this message, Pastor Gary Ellard explains that the Great Commission may not mean what many of us think it means. Here's more. My subject this morning is called The Great Commission and You. Now, I would expect that everybody's What's going through your mind right now is, oh, he's going to talk about witnessing. He's going to talk about what we're supposed to be doing or should be doing. Our first text that I'm going to use is Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, when you read that text, I wonder what's going through your mind. A lot of times we think, well, I know that I should be a better witness. I know I should feel free to witness at my workplace or my neighborhood, talk to my neighbors about it and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know why I don't, I, I don't know why I don't do it. Uh, maybe it's because I don't sense this power that the Bible speaks about with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's why I don't do it. Or why don't I get excited about witnessing? Um, or even giving Bible studies or even going to a Bible study. It seems like it's just hard for me to do that. And I just don't know why, and it just seems like I feel that there's something wrong with me because I'm not that excited about it. Or maybe my relationship with God is, uh, there's a distance there or something. I don't know what it is. It's not that I don't want to do it. I would love to do it, but I just lack the enthusiasm or the excitement or the willingness to Put myself out there. Now, it seems like, especially here in North America, it just seems like when we read the scripture, we always try to individualize it to us, that God is talking to me. And um, the Bible doesn't necessarily do that. A lot of times it's corporately. It's, and that's what the Jewish people, they felt that they were God's chosen people. They believed it because God told them it was true. And they felt it was a corporate thing that everybody within that Jewish circle was God's people. And unfortunately, it's not so much that way in the Christian community. We have seen to separate ourselves and this group is one type of Christian. This group is another type of Christian. And so what, what is all this about, this, this whole thing about witnessing? Now, according to Acts, I mean, there's no question that this verse describes 
the spreading of the gospel geographically, first to Jerusalem, then to Judea. It would start with the Jews in Jerusalem, and then it would go to Samaria, where they had the mixed races there, and then to the Gentiles into the uttermost parts of the earth. But notice what Jesus said here in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came up and he spoke to them saying, he's spoken to the 11 disciples here now. He spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So here's the great commission is to go out. This is what most Christians believe, that they're to go out and to take the gospel into all nations. I'm afraid that we have done a disservice to the body of Christ by using these scriptures to make people feel guilty. Or we make them feel that there's something wrong with them. Otherwise, if they had the power of the Holy Spirit in them, they'd be going out spreading the gospel. Because here in Matthew, Jesus is talking to the 11. He says to them that you are to uh, take the gospel, that you go, go to all the nations. Now, where did Peter go? He stayed in Jerusalem. Where did James go? He stayed in Jerusalem. Where did John go? He stayed in Jerusalem. In fact, all 11 stayed in Jerusalem. Did they misunderstand what Jesus was saying? I mean, Jesus told them that you're to go to all the nations, and they didn't go. They stayed in Jerusalem. Only Paul. When God called Paul to be a missionary, did he go to the other nations? Now, the Great Commission was given to the church corporately, not individually. We need to see that for over 2,000 years now, the world church has been fulfilling this commission that God has given. It was not meant necessarily to apply to every single individual that gives their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that every individual is to go down the street to every neighbor and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not saying any of this. This was given to the church corporately. Now, in 1 Peter 3, 5, tells us how we're to witness. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone, now read it carefully, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So here the Bible tells us, how to witness by being ready to give an account of that wonderful hope that we have within us. 
It's not asking you to go door to door. It's not asking you to do pass out this or pass out that. It's not asking you to do any of that. It's asking you to be ready to give an account of what you treasure, what is down deep at your deepest core, to share with whoever asks you the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> people say, well, isn't it really about getting people into church? Isn't that what the whole emphasis should be? Uh, shouldn't it be about explaining to them what the cross means, what grace means? Isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christians? Well, it's all part of it. But as your pastor, I, if I can explain what it is for you to do, then the next step is to teach you how you should get there. And that I cannot do. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you have ever heard of the spiritual gifts test. I remember giving that to my church years ago out there in Oregon. And uh, to find out their spiritual gifts. You take this test. I forgot how many questions it is. It's been a long time since I've done it. But you would take it and then you'd find out whether you had the gift of hospitality whatever gift you may have. And then after taking the test, I, would, uh, I could go out and sit down with the folks in their home and go over a little bit with them and, and explain to them that God has blessed you with several gifts. And if you love God, and I know you do, you'd want, you would want to help spread the gospel by using those gifts to God's glory. Now, I may not have had any idea what they were going through at that present time. They may have been going through a rough spot in their marriage. They may have been going through a rough spot with their children. They may just be going with life. Maybe they just lost their job, whatever it may be. And I could make them feel guilty by laying that on them. God has given you this gift You'll want to use that gift, don't you, to spread the gospel? And uh, without knowing the circumstances in that individual's life, they would be burdened down once again with guilt. The Bible is very clear that every one of us are ministers. The Bible refers to every born-again believer as a minister. Everyone who has been born again has received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you notice that I spent an awful lot of emphasis on what happens to you when you're born again. I always go to that Ezekiel 36, 26, 27, and I explain to you exactly what took place when you said yes to Christ. So you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go searching for, try to find it. It's already there. You have it. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things 
have come. And notice here, now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So every single born-again believer is called a minister. They've been called a minister. What is that calling? What are they to minister? Reconciliation. Well, <clears throat> what does reconciliation mean? Webster says that it is to make content, to settle an issue, or to make friendly again. And if you go into the Bible dictionary, it simply says, see atonement, a state of being at one. You see, we are the bridge between fallen humanity and a redeeming God. We are that bridge. We are also are called peacemakers. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And you've heard me over and over again say that when you gave your life to Christ, you were called a son of God. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're part of God's family. You are a child of God. That's who you are. So just think for a moment. Our ministry is reconciliation. The Bible says that we are peacemakers. Any fool can divide a fellowship. A simpleton can point out the character defects in another person. It doesn't take too much brains to do that. Now, <clears throat> we, the Bible tells us that we are justified through the, through the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are not to be tearing one another down and that's including other Christians and other fellowships because we're all part of that family. Our names were all written in that Lamb's Book of Life. We're not to tear down anybody. Um, our entire thrust in the New Testament is to restore to make content, and to be one with God. That's what the Bible tells us. And again, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19, namely, that God was in the world reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So over and over, I have stressed that God does not hold our sins against us. And here the Bible is very clear, not counting their sins against them. That is part of the ministry of reconciliation. When somebody does something wrong in the fellowship, we don't judge them, we don't condemn them. Because God is not counting their sins against them, nor should we. We are part of a family, part of a family of God. But notice here in verse 20, the Bible says here, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, 
be reconciled to God. In verse 21, the Bible says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our Heavenly Father does not count our sins against us because he has accounted them to Christ. We need to see the good in people, not the bad. That is part of the ministry of reconciliation, which every one of us have been called to. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Wow. If we would put that into practice, half of all the problems in the home and in the churches would be gone overnight. Our identity is in Christ. Our significance is found in the role of being an ambassador for Christ. Every one of us are an ambassador. God is making his appeal to the world through his ambassadors, through us. No matter where we are, what we're doing, God is making the appeal to unbelievers through us. The only Christ that some will see is through those who are born of God. In John 13, the Bible says this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. That's how the world knows. We will never see sinners reconciled to God as long as we keep counting their sins against them. You can't be an ambassador for Christ and be a hypocrite at the same time. It doesn't work that way. There's a correction that needs to take place. Too many Christians have the wrong picture of God. This morning, I got here fairly early. There's a couple came here, and uh, they wanted to talk to me for a little bit, and we talked. And one of the things that he said, he said, you know, he said, the problem with the Christian church today is that God will do his part, but they won't do their part. And I said, well, that's one way to look at it, but there's a healthier way to look at it, that God does it all, that he's not interested in your part. The Bible says that when, he is, when we are faithless, he is still faithful. And we need to remember that every day of our life. Because we slip and fall, we make mistakes, we, we listen to the flesh sometimes, and we just need to be reminded. That's all that we need to do. Uh, there was a Christian counselor, David Siemens. He said this, Years of experience has taught me that regardless of how much correct doctrine Christians may know, until they have a picture and have felt a sense that God is truly good and gracious, 
there can be no lasting spiritual victory in their lives. And there's a lot of truth to that. As an ambassador, we must see the good in people. Our ministry is reconciliation. That's our ministry. Now, there's other works that we can do in the church if a person is so led to do it. That's wonderful. That's what it's all about. But we, the bottom line, is we are peacemakers. We are peacemakers in our homes. We are peacemakers in our workplace. And we're peacemakers among ourselves. The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, and working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at that acceptable time, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Bible simply says that we are partners with God. We are co-workers with him. What are we partners with and what are we co-workers with him in? And that is uplifting each other up, building each other, ministering to each other. And as ambassadors, we need to be there for each other. It's true that the walk of faith can sometimes be interrupted by personal unbelief or rebellion. I mean, all of us, at times we get rebellious. A lot of times we just don't want to do what God wants us to do. Deep down inside we do, but when we listen to the flesh, we give in and we don't always do what God wants us to do. It's during those moments that we think that God has already lost his patience with us. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever come to the realization, God, you must be tired of me. I mean, just when I think I've got it together, I fall apart. And God says to us that he loves us anyway. Someone... It's interesting that when we go through problems sometimes, and this is where the sensitivity comes with embracing each other as a family. Sometimes we just feel impressed to do something. Sometimes you feel impressed to call somebody. Sometimes you feel impressed just to stop by and see how they're doing. Or sometimes you just feel like, I'll go to church and see if there's any help there. And you come and you might hear something from the Word of God that will trigger everything and put everything back into its place. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Wow. What a beautiful text it is. What encouragement it is for us to be conscious of what people are going through. You know, some of us, we have neighbors that are going through some difficulties. And, um, 
how important it is for us to respond to what, how God is leading us, how the Holy Spirit is leading us. It's, it, maybe it's just a call and say, how you doing? Or maybe it's to stop by. It's just, there's so many ways that God is ministering to people through his ambassadors, through us. Thanks be to God for what Christ has done. He uses us to tell others about the Lord and to spread the gospel like a sweet perfume by living out what we truly believe. Why should I worry and fret? I mean, we ask that question a lot. Why am I worrying? Aren't I trusting in God? And then maybe this text will come to your mind. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let him have all your worries and all your cares because when your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he's been thinking about you every day since, 24-7. Why should I be in bondage? Galatians 5, 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has made you free. You are free to be you. That's a great feeling that I can just be myself. I don't have to be somebody or pretend that I'm somebody. I can just be me. It changes the way we think about God when we come to the place that we can actually trust him. You know, there's a lot of people that are worried about, about themselves. They're worried about what's going on up here, worrying about a, a lot of things, worrying about family, worrying about a lot of things. But we, need, we just need to come to the place where we can admit that we can't do anything about it and we're just going to trust God and allow him to do what he does best. Why should I feel alone? The Bible says in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Wow, what a tremendous promise that God has given to us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us, no matter what we're going through. Why should I be discontented? The Bible says in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Sometimes we need to go over that almost on a daily basis because you and I, every day, when this world hits us, disappointments come, whatever may come, we need to be reminded that we're going through that process of learning to be content. We're not all of a sudden, we don't read a scripture and all of a sudden, oh, I'm content with everything. No. We are learning to be content, and we learn that through the trials and tribulations that this world throws at us. Why should I feel like a failure? 
Romans 8, 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We overwhelmingly conquer. The Bible is so clear. The truth is that we need to know about God in order to have our faith remain strong is that he loves us and accepts us unconditionally. No conditions that he puts on us. When your walk of faith is weak, God loves you. When you're strong one moment and weak the next, God still loves you. The true object of evangelism is helping people to see a good and gracious God. A God that is not counting your sins against you. Does God motivate us through guilt? The answer is absolutely not. No, he doesn't. He doesn't use guilt to motivate us. Hebrews tells us that in the Old Testament, if believers had what we have today, the knowledge and what took place at Calvary, they would have had no guilt themselves. But they were inundated constantly with guilt. We today are motivated by the love of God. Peter says that if you're having trouble with self-control, kindness, love, unfruitfulness, if you're lacking any of these qualities, in 2 Peter it, it says, it's because you have forgotten his purification from your former sins. There's our answer. I mean, I know that I put a lot of emphasis on that we're totally forgiven. We live in a state of forgiveness. But that's the reason that I do. Because what happens to us when we get down on ourselves, when we see that there's just, we're just not growing like we should be growing and everything, Peter simply answers it. It's because you have forgotten your purification. When you came to Christ and you asked him to forgive you your sins, you admitted that you were a sinner, you asked him to forgive you your sins, not only did he forgive you, but he cleansed you. And the Bible says he cleansed you forever. He didn't just cleanse you that day or that moment and then the next day start over again. No, he cleansed you forever, forever. That's why Peter uses the word purification. He says that all these issues that we face, it's because we forget our purification. We forget that we are totally forgiven. We live in a state of forgiveness that God loves us, couldn't love us any more than what he does. He thinks we're great. And then he just simply says to us, if you get down, just remember. Just remember that you're totally forgiven. Just remember that you're cleansed forever. Just remember the Bible says that you are perfect forever. Your great commission is the ministry of reconciliation. You accomplish that by being you. 
nobody else, just being you. And then the Bible says, always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you when you are asked. Isn't that wonderful? I, I, I mentioned once time before, I, uh, I, I came to this, uh, this town and I held a, a, an evangelistic crusade in Roseburg, Oregon. And that's where my youngest son gave his life to Christ. Or my, excuse me, my, my uh, middle son, he gave his life to Christ there in that crusade. And um, after I left there and uh, I went a couple years of holding crusades through Oregon and everything, and then all of a sudden they called me to be their pastor there at Roseburg. And uh, I said, well, I said, I'm not really a pastor. I said, I'm more of an evangelist, uh, but uh, I said, I'll pray about it. So I prayed about it and ended up being, becoming their pastor. Uh, they expected me to really lay down the law heavily on evangelism, to get out there and invite people and do all these things that, um, and I didn't do any of those things. I said, you know, I said, a lot of you here are introverts. You're not extroverts. Um, and I said, uh, it's hard for you to go out and witness. I said, I just want you to set you at ease that you don't need to do that. Your ministry is reconciliation, being a peacemaker. It's all you have to do. It's just you. And I said, is all you have to do is just be you. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to uh, go, jump through all these hoops, go to these seminars and, and learn how to witness and all that. You don't have to do any of that. And um, so I preached a sermon on that. And then the, the following week at church, this lady came up to me and she said, you know, she said, I, I never, when you first told us that, she said, I just didn't believe what you said because I told her I said you don't have to worry um, God will send people and people will ask you just like the Bible says if you if they ask you then you tell them the hope that's within you and she said that her washing machine broke down the Sears man came out and uh, she was nervous and everything and she wanted to talk to him about the Lord but she just couldn't muster it up and then finally the Sears man said are you a Christian and she says, well yes he said, yeah, he said, I, I've been thinking about that. And then she led him to the Lord there in the laundry room in her home. God wants us to be who we are. That's why he knocked on our door and we responded. And he says, you're, you're everything I want you to be. I don't want you to go through all this guilt. We are not motivated by guilt. God doesn't do that. He doesn't motivate us by guilt. That's why it so upsets me sometimes when I hear preachers even preach, you know, they, they go back into the Old Testament and they find some scriptures and, and they hammer the people down, make them feel guilty. And of course, one of them is the tithing issue. Are you going to rob God? They make it sound like, you, like you're robbing him if you, if you don't your time. They take that out of context. And that's what's happened. 
They made people feel guilty if they weren't doing it. You know, God isn't such an awesome God when you're just riddled with guilt. He's, and God is an awesome God. And he doesn't motivate us. Anytime you're motivated by guilt, you know it's not from God. Because he doesn't motivate us by guilt. We are to be ready to give an account when asked for the hope that lies within you. And it's easy for us now, isn't it? Somebody says, I don't get it. You seem to be so calm all the time and you never get bent out of shape or anything. I would say, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> there are times that I do. Um, I've got cows now. And uh, yeah, there's times that I get a little bent out of shape. Um, but well, how come it, it doesn't appear that way? I saw I, most of the time I come back to reality of who I am in Christ, my identity in Christ. I'm his child. I don't always act like it, but I am. And I know that for a fact. That's the hope that lies within me, that I know who I am in Christ. Not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't have to be. He says I am perfect at my deepest core. So the thing I want to leave with you, when you're feeling a little bit down, you're not doing what you think you should be doing, just think of your pur purification. Remember your purification. That is the renewing of your mind that the Bible speaks of. Is we're going over and remembering what God has done for you. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for everything that you have done for us. You've covered every base. And Lord, we're thankful that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they're there forever. Cannot be erased. We're thankful for that. We're thankful that we are sealed by your Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. And we await that day. And Lord, we thank, we're so thankful that what you have done in us and what you are doing through us. And we want to remember our purification every day of our life. How you came into our life. Have you forgiven us? Have you forgotten our sins? And then, Lord, we're just so grateful and thankful that you remember our sins no more. So we live in a state of freedom and we praise you and we thank you for that. Now help us, I pray, to, to focus on our purification each and every day of our life. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.gracebiblefellowshipchurch.org.